Well, I was with the Hudza last year in mm-hmm. Tanzania, and they are crazy. They just drink the dirtiest water on earth. They went into a baobab tree. They had the, the young guy climb up. He had a baobab, uh, like an empty seed, like sort of, it was like a cup. And they just scooped out, you know, it naturally catches water in, you know, the crook of a tree. And it was brown, and they just all passed it around and drank it. And that's the only water they had all day. Oh my God. <laughs> and they're just out on an eight hour hunt. They don't even have water. They just go. And if they find the little water, they, they'll drink a little sip of brown water. Wow. They have the next level microbiome. Yeah. I'm also, I'm, I'm very next level <laughs> microbiome. Yeah. I'm very curious about that. I've heard people who talk about not drinking as much water and that might be good for you. I'm into the right amount of water. I, I think there's people go, they swing both ways. Some people are like, man, you got to get the big jug and you have that lines on it every hour. You have to have that. And then some people are maybe going the opposite direction. But I think if you drink too much water, you're just diluting your nutrients. You're kind of mm. diluting your minerals, right? If you're just drinking too much water. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm like, drink when you're thirsty. But isn't reverse osmosis like the best way to drink my water? Uh, well, that depl- that has no minerals <laughs> in it. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Wonder Soul Show. Today's guest is Brian Sanders, who's making the Food Lies documentary, owner of the Sapien Center and Nose to Tail, this epic company that we're going to talk about at some point during the show. He completely sold me on all of this beef tallow skincare, body wash, lip balm stuff. It was so funny. He said something really interesting to me about it right out of the gate. And he goes, because, you know, people put coconut oil on their skin and that's an accepted thing now. They put olive oil even on their skin and and all these other oils on their Mm -hmm. skin. Right. And Brian just goes, well, I mean, really, you're just putting animal fat on animal skin. And I just like (laughs) face palmed myself when he said that. We're our animals. Yeah. So tell me, how did you discover this whole thing? Because I know this company you're working on, obviously, nose to tail. And so you have tons of animals, tons of cows that are the happiest cows on the planet. Mm-hmm. And they're like best friends with their ranchers. <laughs> yeah, well, that, it starts there, right? They, uh, my ranchers are great. They're here in Texas. They, they've done everything the right way for 30 years. They, if anyone's heard of Alan Savory, he did amazing TED Talk. He's like a world famous guy that talks about regenerative agriculture and how animals are good on the land, that they actually can save the world. And he reverses desertification with animals and he does this across Africa and he's helped people for decades and they took his first course and it's called holistic management and it's it's very much uh, tailored to the land and your conditions and you know your rainfall and so it's, it's really interesting a lot of people think that oh animals are just killing us right are killing the planet and some people think they're killing us oh the red meat it's so bad for us saturated fat so bad but it's exactly the opposite if you do it correctly yeah, that's fascinating. So they, you said he teaches a course on this for farmers. How long is this course? Is this a lot of education or not that much? Oh, well, this is, I mean, this started 30 years ago. So now he's a, he's an older gentleman. He doesn't, you know, do that much anymore other than do TED Talks and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, people take year-long classes to learn about this stuff, and it, it's really detailed. And I am definitely not an expert in all of it, but I know generally how it works is you really have to look at your land as holistic well holistically right and you want to give your animals the a diverse forage you want to give them the right diet that it's definitely you know no outside inputs and you but even more than just eating grass there's like uh, hundreds of different kinds of forages they can eat and that gets them the full nutrient spectrum that goes into their meat makes them happy and healthy and then makes humans happy and healthy and i've interviewed a lot of people on the science of that which we're just starting to do and they have crazy like mass spectrometers that can now measure these 70,000 secondary compounds that are in meat. And they can see how much more there is in regeneratively grown, holistically managed animals, like what we do at nose tail, then down to just grass fed, grass finished, you, you get less of these. And then you go down to feedlot and you get like the worst you know outcome with these secondary compounds. And so now they're trying to connect that to our health. It's like, how does that make humans healthier? I mean, I, I can't even imagine, right? If we're if we're eating these things, right? Then it's super important. I wonder, what was the reason why all of this stuff began? Like, why did we stop doing it this way? And I can imagine maybe it's there's huge swaths of the world where it's seasonal, where these animals can't live or can't feed normally. 
right? And we had to do something to keep them alive. So I'm, I'm thinking like Minnesota, mm. right? You get like a cow farm in the mm. winter. Like what do they eat in the winter for well, these huge amounts of them? Well, originally they would, you would grow hay or grow grass and you bailed it up and then you saved it and you use that in the winter. And so really what happened is industrialized farming systems. And that happened on plants and animals, right? So that people, some say it's, it's progress and we got to feed more people, but really it's just these industrialized systems that I think are ruining our health and ruining our world. And before we, we did manage to feed a lot more people. I mean, I know that the population's rising, obviously, but we were able to feed all of our communities just using natural practices. And we didn't have outside inputs and we didn't have fake fertilizers and we didn't have feedlots and we didn't have any of this. We figured it out in Minnesota. You know, they saved the bales of grass for the winter and it all worked. And now everything we do is just based on profit and speed and just big companies making more money. So that's a, that's a, a high level answer. And when yeah. you, you reference something in there, that's kind of like twofold where you said it's plants and animals. And so what I'm hearing you say is that as we tried to make life easier, and that's probably how it was originally presented, the first person was like, hey, we have this type of grass that will grow a month longer going into the winter and will start growing a month sooner going into the spring. And everyone's like, well, that's amazing because then I have to do less of this hay baling, mm -hmm. right? And it's like maybe fresher food for the cows is another mm -hmm. way that could have been pitched. And that's how it began. And then these cows started to eat something that was just slightly different. And that was year round now, right? They were growing that grass year round or those types of foods. And so that that's like how this all begins. And then it just kind of snowballs over time. Pretty much. It happened with grains 12,000 years ago. Tw 12,000 years ago. <clears throat> well, yeah, if we want to go back, we're going to very slowly answer your first question, how we got to nose the tail and, and these, these products. But 12,000 years ago, you know, before that people know, you know, we were hunter gatherers, we were traveling around finding new food everywhere. We were picking berries and, and killing animals and eating them nose to tail, actually getting fish, getting, you know, digging up some tubers. We were super healthy. People think that we live to 30. That's completely wrong. I've dug into this a lot for my film food lies and we they they if they lived past infant you know there's a lot of infant mortality right it was, it was it was sort of a tougher conditions out there and there was also just more sort of just bacterial problems or you know not clean water maybe they weren't like the Hadza they couldn't just drink uh well you know maybe they thought they could drink dirty water and then it killed them because it yeah so a lot of infant mortality a lot of <clears throat> accidents a lot of different kinds of deaths right not from what we ate so we look back, people lived to their 70s, 80s, 90s. We now have some more research around this. We study modern hunter-gatherers. They do live this long without modern medicine. And so we know humans can live long. So first of all, we, we know that we were living longer, living better back then. We see a, actually a sharp line in the sand really when we had 12,000 years ago and we started agriculture, we got shorter, our brains got smaller and we got more disease. And we can see that on bones. And so these paleoanthropologists, it's, it's in full agreement. They're just like, yes, we started cultivating grains. We started settling down and we got more disease. We got shorter, our brains got smaller, our teeth got worse. It's crazy. So this is part of this whole story of our slow decline into today, which is our really steep decline in health. And people know, you know, all these statistics of how many people are overweight, obese, chronic diseases, um, you know, how many people have prediabetes and how many people are dying of you know heart disease and cancer and these are preventable these are preventable things so it really all goes back to when we transitioned into agriculture it really sacrificed quality nutrient dense foods for cheap filler foods kind of you kind of think of them as empty calories everyone's heard the term empty calories that's like just cultivating grains was the first empty calorie and if, well let's let's break down like a concrete example of this so if I have a cup of spinach versus, this is going to be crazy, but like a cup of liver, mm -hmm. right? What's the difference in nutrient density between these two things? Oh, it's night and day. They're not even on the same level. So a lot of people think that spinach has iron in it, right? You're not even absorbing that iron. This iron is not in the form that your body can use. It's in the plant form. And it's and there actually is anti-nutrients that block the absorption of these different nutrients. So 
spinach has oxalates in it and oxalates bind with the minerals in it. So you're actually not getting what you think you're getting, even if you look at the USDA data. But even if you are thinking you're get, getting what, what's on the USDA data tables, liver is 100 times better in, in a lot of these nutrients than, say, spinach. So, yeah. Well, and here's the other interesting part, right? Spinach is known for iron, uh, maybe calcium, mm-hmm. right? Uh, protein it's known for, right? When you eat like mm-hmm. huge quantities mm-hmm. of it. When you put that next to something like uh, an equal weight amount of something like liver or even like just standard but highest quality possible like you know paleolithic grass-fed beef like what Mm -hmm. your ranchers out in Mm -hmm. lubbock are doing Mm -hmm. right like what's the difference in protein content again plant protein is not the same as animal protein animal protein is way more bioavailable and complete and so you need amino acids right your body doesn't care what you eat right it doesn't say oh i'm on the paleo diet i'm on a vegan diet your body's like give me nutrients (laughs) give me amino acids give me fat you know what I mean? And these, all of these things are more bioavailable to your body. And there's, you know, there's good science. There's systems called the PDCAS system, the DIAS system. You know, these are, we measure this and we know that eggs, milk, meat, top of the list, very bottom of the list is grains and corn and stuff like that. And we just know that your body needs it in the animal form. This is going to be a reoccurring theme of let's get things in the animal form. Let's get skin food. Let's put animal fat on our animal bodies, right? Let's eat things that are in the animal form that we need it. Like we evolved as humans to eat meat. And a lot of people don't know that. There's vegan documentaries that will say the opposite. And this is not the case. There's maybe they found one paleo, the one paleoanthropologist who's vegan to try to say some of this stuff, but there's, you know, 10,000 more that say absolutely not. We evolved because we ate bone marrow and we ate brains of other animals and we came and we 3.5 million years ago we have evidence of crushing these bones with rocks it's percussive marks and i've interviewed these scientists that have done this research for the film and yes this is how we started becoming human we got this nutrient-dense bone marrow with vitamins and minerals and fat and energy that we needed and helped fuel our evolution and our guts changed from eating animal foods and they changed from monkeys or, or chimps. And you know, the, the vegan films, they say, oh, well, look at the, you know, the chimps, they're just eating plants and they're so strong. And they even had, did you see the Game Changers? Did you see that? I didn't see that. Good. <laughs> it was a vegan propaganda film that came out recently and they had all these athletes trying to say it was great. Uh, they're like, oh, well, an ox eats grass and I want to be, I'm strong like ox. Like, well, an ox has nothing like our digestive system. That doesn't mean anything. And so we moved away from this digestive system that could ferment plant matter and extract nutrients. And, you know, our, our relatives could get more nutrition out of plant matter and they could convert some of these things into energy and proteins and amino acids from plants. We've lost that ability. So now our, our, our small intestine got bigger and our, our large intestine got smaller. So it's kind of the opposite of what we used to do with eating plants. So, Yes, now we require nutrient-dense animal foods in that form. So here's another point. Animals or or vegans say, why don't you just eat the plants? Why do we have to give it to the animals and then we eat animals? That's a wasteful system, right? Let's go direct to the source. You don't need the middleman. I'm saying the middleman is an incredibly important job. That that cow takes low-quality grass that we can't eat and upcycles it into high quality bioavailable nutrition that is in the correct form that we need and that we can be healthy on get you know, way more protein out of it and so yes we do need these systems interesting I, I sort of just translated it into my head to what we were talking about earlier which was the water system and i don't think that was on camera but we mm-hmm. were talking about how you take water and you can run it through something like a reverse osmosis but that removes all of the things from it including the minerals which are debatable that maybe the most important part of water is the minerals we're getting inside of it and with it in certain ratios. And so if you're drinking water without said minerals, they always say to remineralize the water. So the same way that people do that, where we filter water and then remineralize it, and nature does that usually, if you get it from a a healthy stream, then you'd be running the water through the animal that can process it and take out all the stuff and also make it better for us and like remineralize it so that we can then mm-hmm. consume it, right? Yeah, that's interesting. 
actually it kind of works with oh yeah no maybe maybe i was thinking of a different way but yes basically these animals provide a very valuable service and i just don't like this message that they're unnecessary or wasteful because people just don't understand that they eat a lot of food that we can't eat like they have four stomachs right they have they have a completely different system than us if you're talking about pigs and chickens they actually require more protein and more high quality foods and it is are they are raised very poorly and there are a lot more problems because they have more similar digestive systems to us and so they require higher quality food so they do compete with us for food they end up in these huge warehouses and it's actually pretty bad but all cows actually spend the first two-thirds of their life on grass and they actually are pretty efficient at eating leftover stuff like they they'll eat stuff from ethanol production and then we'll get the corn and they can eat the leftover products or beer and vodka and you know alcohol they can get the fermenters eat you know the leftover grains and the cows can eat it it's pretty interesting and it's good for them yeah i mean it's fine it's not the best this is this is like the more feedlot version of things but it's just a, it's it's more efficient so that's not the ideal thing to do but it's people say that it's it's not um it's just you know wasteful they're they're competing with us for food and i'm saying they are not even in the industrial food system and interesting so you said chickens and pigs are so what's the more ideal way i don't know if you guys do anything with poultry Mm -hmm. and and pork at the moment no we do yeah 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 so what does that look like well pasture raised so first of all these animals should be outside getting sun they need vitamin d just like we do they want to be on the grass eating bugs, eating all kinds of stuff. I have all these videos of our pigs chomping on grass. I mean, they are just eating stems and leaves and grasses and just going nuts. They're eating everything. And and ch- chickens are the same way. And they're rooting around getting bugs and worms. And they and you move them, right? So they do that. They eat all this grass away and all the critters. And then, you know, you move them to the next plot of land. And we, we do that daily with the chickens. And then you do that on a, a longer cycle with the pigs. So you can imagine this sort of grid over the course of the month, you can get all the fresh grass and critters and move on. And when, by the time you come back, the old patch has grown and it's green and it's, it's so, has so much life. It's so amazing. And that's kind of this holistic management system that I talked about earlier. It's when you have, you can do it with any animals, right? You can do it with the bison, the lamb, the beef and the chickens and pigs, and it's just a different system, but it works. Funny aside about bison, right? I always love, love, love bison because Mm -hmm. of the idea that they always march into storms because it's like the fastest way to get through a storm. Mm. So what I know, and it's kind of an interesting aside going into your own story, where did this all begin for you? Well, my parents really, um, we tell this, in the intro to my film, I, I want to encourage everyone to go to foodlies.org and look at the three, three and a half minute intro to the film. We spent a lot of time on it. We handmade almost every shot and it kind of tells my story a little bit. But my story is I lost both my parents when I was 30 and it was crazy. I mean, too young. How old were they? They were, weren't super old. They, I mean, they're older than normal parents. I think uh, 72, 75, kind of that range. And lost them to chronic disease, you know, Alzheimer's, uh, type, um, cancer, and they followed the whole food pyramid. We did the whole whatever it's called, my plate, you know, standard American. Oh, they actually like laid it out and did the whole thing. I mean, basically, yeah. No, we were doing it. Yeah, I remember very clearly. We and we made our own food. It wasn't like, oh, we're on the standard American diet. We were just eating McDonald's. No, not at all. My parents were frugal. They were like, no, we're not going to McDonald's. We're making our own dinner. We're doing whole wheat pasta. We're doing lean chicken breast. We're doing broccoli. Kind of, of course, like, no fat. No fat, low no fat, fat, everything. Absolutely. Yeah. No red meat. That was like a huge special occasion to have red meat. Uh, just doing all the things. Breakfast cereal that says heart healthy on the box, you know, low fat milk, low fat yogurt with added sugar, uh, you know, toast, whole wheat toast with jam and margarine. We did the whole thing and look where it got them. It's this slow, slow march where they just developed pre-diabetes. Basically they developed, you know, just the dad bod, the mom bod, right. That everyone thinks is normal. And that's not normal. That's basically a sign of pre-diabetes. That's your body saying, Hey, something's going wrong. And the crazy thing with this food is how slow it is. 
right? Most people, they just gain a pound a year, right? They just slowly and then slowly they end up, Hey, I'm, I'm 45. I'm on three to five medications. And you know, this is just how life is. I, I can't be active anymore. I've got joint pain. I've got, you know, acid reflux. I've got all these things. So that's what happened with them. That woke me up. That was happening with me. So I was 30. I was, Hey, I'm getting the dad bod. I got I can't play sports anymore. Like I have acid reflux. I have joint pain. I, I have allergies my whole life. All I did, I was kind of woken up, right? I was like, okay, I'm not going to end up like my parents. My friends were kind of getting into this paleo diet. They're like, oh, Mark Sisson. Uh, I read the primal blueprint, really. That really changed my life. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't be eating all the refined grains and added sugar and seed oils and all these processed foods. All I did was cut out that, cut out the bread, cut out the pasta. My entire body changed. My entire life changed. I lost like 20 pounds. My allergies went away. My overuse injuries went away from using the computer. Joint pain went away. Acid reflux went away. It was amazing. And all I did was cut out bread, basically. <laughs> so I kind of wanted to tell the world. I was like, hey, guys, we got it wrong. Look around. We're, we're going just the wrong direction. Every country is getting health, un, you know, more and more disease, more and more obesity. And five and a half years ago, I decided I'm just going to make a film about it. And I just quit my job, basically uh, did this full time. And all this other stuff has popped up since. It's just kind of been this slow journey of spreading this information. Yeah. What were you into as like a teenager? I was just into playing sports and just hanging out with my friends. I I was into making film, actually. I, I actually... Really, I got a, a camera when I was probably 11 or 12. It was like the first camera that had a, a screen on it. And you, you could actually just, you know, it's like kind of a big camcorder, but you could see the screen. So we were doing live in edit um, edits or like we were making films, you know, on camera. And then you have to rewind. You know what I mean? You, you couldn't put it on the computer and edit it. You had to do it in camera. And we were making films, did this all throughout high school, took all the classes and actually did this with this guy. I grew up with in Hawaii and he you grew up, up in Hawaii. Yeah. What Island? Oahu. No way. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I need all uh, your, your pro tips for Oahu. I love Oahu, but I can't even imagine if you grew up there. Oh man, I will. I'll tell you all the best. So hikes. wait, you grew up in Oahu and your parents cooked their own food and they still ended up with all these issues. That's what I'm saying. We kind of make this point in the so film. extreme. We, yeah, we make the point in the film. We actually use some, a little, exposés on uh, Tonga. Yeah, like some of these islands. Pristine air, pristine water. They're working outside. You know, they're doing all the things that people know are healthy. Yet they have an insane obesity and diabetes crisis, right? And so what's the only thing? The food. It's the food. What's changed? They, they ship in the cheap oils and the flours and the sugar, and they're eating half their diet or more of that stuff. And so you're exactly right. I look back, we were doing it right. You know, my dad would go jogging and do the exercise classes. My mom had a little exercise bike she'd ride on in the home. You know, they were trying, they were doing the things. We were in Hawaii, we were, yeah, we were going outside. We were hanging out at the beach, we we're doing hikes. But the food got them. It's the food. And I, yeah, that's kind of the main point. It's one of the first sections of the film is it's the food, right? It's like, why, why does what you eat matter so much? And a lot of people blame it on genetics. It's not genetics. I and mean, genetics plays a role and you could be more predisposed to something. Well, and if we go back three generations, everyone was a beast. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Even the, yeah, our grand, you could go back just to the 1970s. And have you seen these photos of the like then and now, and it's a beach in the seventies and everyone's ripped and tanned and thin. And now they have the beach and well, I don't want to be rude, but it's not the same. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But yeah, it's so, a food. It's yeah. So, so tell me, what are the highlights here? Like you said, uh, they're transporting in oils and low quality meats and like the breads and the grains, like the cheapest food imaginable, right? Yes. What are Eric Edmides, who I'm sure you're familiar oh, yeah. with, right? Says it's more important to add in the good stuff at the beginning than to remove the bad stuff. So if I were to add in like three good things, Assuming I'm on a normal American diet right now, what were the big changes that I should make? 
I'd say eggs are huge and meat and don't be afraid of red meat. Get some quality red meat, lamb, How bison. do I find quality red meat? Well, you can go to a farmer's market. Okay. I used to live in LA, concrete jungle, but I went to the farmer. There was five farmer's markets in my area. Like I could get to five different farmer's markets. So there's usually farmer's markets in cities. And if you're not in a city, well, even better, you could probably find farmers even easier, right? And you, you just got to do a little work, get on the internet and get some meat directly from these people that are, you're doing good work and, you know, don't, don't have a middleman. Mm -hmm. How do I find, so what you're describing with your ranchers in Lubbock sounds amazing. If I can't get access to that, is there some way when I'm Googling and researching farmers that I can see that they're doing that system? It's a little bit harder, but yeah, you could look up regenerative ranches or, you know, you could use some of these keywords like holistic management, or there's a westonaprice.org. So Weston Price, maybe we can get into, he's a great guy that went around the world a hundred years ago and discovered a lot of interesting things that have really panned out to be true. But that, that organization has some lists. So I think it's westonaprice.org and you can look in your area and they will have a, a big directory of ranches and farmers that are doing it right. Awesome. Okay. So switching over to super high quality eggs and, and there's a lot of terms they use for eggs. They use organic, they use cage free, free range. Mm -hmm. what, what, what am I looking for? So a lot of those are, it's called greenwashing where they just kind of use these terms. And I mean, it's good. You definitely want cage free and organic and pasture raised, but a lot of it is just marketing terms. And you know, if you're buying eggs, and it's too good to be true and you're in a grocery store and it's like, oh, the bad eggs are like two, like $3 and these ones are $4. I, I don't think it's going to be the actual cage free. You know, it's, I don't think it's what you expect. It's like, I've heard that all they need is a, a door open. That's like, it's, it's free range if they have one door open for one hour, stuff like that. So what you really want is to go to the farmer's market. And I mean, I am happy to pay $7 for my eggs and you know, there's a great, place in Austin and I go and I know Sam and they're the yolks are bright orange and I just know these chickens are actually running around on the grass so yes I would say most eggs in the store are not the best and that you should just go to the source and for all of our local Austinites if you're cool with sharing oh what's the place that sure you go Tail Creek absolutely sure Tail okay. Creek is great and where where do you go to get it? It's a farmer's it's market. It's farmer's right? market downtown. Yeah. Sam, yeah, just show up or Mueller. It's the one on like, oh, Mueller. No, okay. no, well, there's two. Well, Mueller's on Sunday and downtown. It's like, it's, what's that square? Republic Square or something? Yeah, okay, yeah. I've been. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, cool. So that's where you get your eggs. So yeah. eggs and then high quality red meat, which is the ideally the regenerative or mm -hmm. holistic management. Um, and you gave us westonaprice.org. And then what would be a third thing? Well, I guess I would say whole, whole versions of the plant foods that you eat, right? I'm not saying I'm not a carnivore guy. <laughs> no, I, I eat a lot of meat, but if you're going to eat, I, I like to have, you know, root, some sweet potatoes or fruit. Like that's a good addition to my diet. I don't eat tons of leafy greens. I've kind of got into the, you know, these oxalate problems. I, I used to do like kale shakes with spinach and all this stuff. And I think that caused some problems. Uh, so now I'm, I'm just eating whole foods on the side of my good animal foods. So I would tell people just replace processed versions of foods with the whole version, right? It's like bread is actually a processed food. A lot of people don't understand. It's like, oh no, but it's whole grain bread from whole foods. Like, yeah, but it's not good. You can still look at all these ingredients. It's still a uh, highly processed right you couldn't grain. like go find that yeah in the wild you couldn't go grab a loaf of bread yes and so yeah I, I would say that just lean into animal protein don't be scared that don't be scared of eggs like that whole cholesterol thing i'm glad that's i think it's blown over most people I'm pretty sure but <laughs> real quick maybe let's touch on cholesterol real quick well yeah cholesterol is oh man I, i've interviewed so many cardiologists about this and they they've kind of debunked the cholesterol thing. Basically they, they took cholesterol off the nutrients of concern or on the dietary guidelines and kind of didn't tell anyone about it. But basically cholesterol that you eat doesn't just magically go into your, into your body and clog your arteries. Basically cholesterol is a super necessary hormone. Really it's a pre hormone that 
helps run your whole body. It runs your brain and your hormones and so many other things. And your body makes cholesterol. If you don't eat enough cholesterol, your body will make it. This is not a bad thing. It's, w there could be bad markers if you're eating highly processed foods. And the three ingredients I always say are the, the seed oils and the added sugars and the refined grains. Eating a lot of those foods, you can have bad cholesterol, but it's not from eating cholesterol, right? It's, it's more of this like downstream cascade that you're eating these highly refined foods that your body doesn't want, and it's eventually going to end up cl clogging your arteries. Yeah. And from what I know about cholesterol is I, I call it the trash guy who just goes around the neighborhood and picks up trash mm -hmm. that people are leaving out. And so if I'm eating a lot of things that my body has to pull away stuff that it doesn't want, I, my cholesterol has to go up because there's just more trash guys going around. That is a good way to think about it. Yeah. So when you say seed oils, I know we get a lot of these from our processed foods, but a lot of us also cook with them or go to places that cook with them. What are the big ones that I'm looking for? Well, canola oil, uh, just any oil that's not... Okay, it's more like, think of it the opposite. Coconut oil, olive oil, and avocado oil. are Those are fruits. Those are actually pretty oily in general. You could get oil out of them without an like 16-step process, which are all the other oils, right? So coconut oil, olive oil, good olive oil that's actually all of, you know, you, you, there's a lot of fake olive oils. They did study and they tested, and most olive oils were cut with canola oil and other oils. Mm. So you got to get a good olive oil. That shouldn't be legal though, right? It, that's the world we live in. Yeah, it's mm. crazy. It's crazy. And even avocado oil, most of the avocado oil is actually uh, fake, I think. So, um, really? Yeah. If you if something's too good to be true, that that's usually if it's very cheap, you you have to think. Well, like the spray all uh, avocado oil. Yeah. Right? I yeah. I mean, I don't. I just don't use any of those oils. I just use all animal fat. Yeah. So what do you use for cooking? Just animal fat. Like tallow. Yeah. Well, I yeah butter, grass fed butter. Yeah, absolutely. I use mostly grass-fed butter. And actually, I don't add a lot of fat. I, I don't think I need to add more fat. It's like, hey, that this piece of steak I'm eating, that has fat in it. Actually, I would cut off. I'm eating a ribeye. I'll cut off some of the ribeye. I'll like dice it up and use that as my fat. Mm, that's There's so smart. Tip. Like, yeah. yeah, so maybe like save the really fatty parts for cooking. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. Or if you so cook cool. bacon, you know, if you can get some good bacon, pasture-raised bacon, save the fat. That can just sit on your countertop or, you know, and just, you don't know. How much. long can that sit before? Oh, I mean, forever. If you, I mean, it depends on how refined it is. If you have bits of, of protein in it, then it could go bad. Yep. But I mean, if it's like a refined fat, it can just sit there. That's fascinating. Why is that? It's just how, how the world works. I don't know. It's a very stable, saturated fat is very stable. That's why. Uh, you want to eat saturated fats and that's why you don't want to eat seed oils to go back to the seed oils it's basically everything else that's not those three oils is a bad oil the safflower oil the corn oil the canola all of the main soybean all these oils are unstable they're made of the polyunsaturated fats and they oxidize easily especially if you fry them and heat them up and it's interesting that we know that fried food is bad but we just people just blame it on fat or they're just oh it's chicken like you don't eat, you know, fried chicken is bad because it's chicken and, ch you know, chicken skin's bad for you. I'm like, no, it's bad for you because you fried it in peanut oil or soybean oil, right? This is when it oxidizes, it's unstable, and it's not the fat that your body wants, right? If you just ate a chicken, you could eat a piece of fried chicken fried in beef tallow, and it'd be perfectly healthy for you. Fascinating. So you're telling me right now that I can go fry my own chicken and feel good about it. Oh yeah, people make beef tallow fries. There's places in Austin that do it. There's a very few Where places. Where can I go? Salt and Time. It's okay. right by the Sapien Center. Uh, Salt and Time, and they do beef tallow fries. And I, I'm going today. Oh man, <laughs> I swear I feel different. Like if I eat, I I so rarely eat anything out at a restaurant anymore. But I if I have to, I feel like bad. I feel like sick to my stomach after a little bit. If I'm eating like something fried. Go eat some beef tallow fries. Don't feel bad. Fascinating. So yeah. that kind of brings us back to this whole idea of using tallow to put on your skin. And of course, like we said earlier, animal oil on animal skin makes complete sense. But you also the other day started talking some of the more technical side of that. Oh, and also before we even answer this, let me back up. You said mm -hmm. that it oxidizes faster, these polyunsaturated fats. Let's define what oxidizing means. Well, 
it really just comes in contact with air and breaks down. And that's what you don't want in your body. It's, I don't want to be like too simplistic, but you know, there's this idea of rust. It's like a car rust. It's oxidation. It's like you're, it's breaking down in the air. And that's kind of what some people think aging is. It's your body just kind of oxidizing or different parts of your body just sort of aging or, you know, not getting the right things, not being made up of the right fats, not, you know, having too many of the junk that the junk collector like can't clean up. And basically if there's too much junk accumulated, it could be anything though. It could be from your food. It could be from uh, heavy metals. It could be from plastics. It could be from so many things that your body just doesn't want. And that generally could be kind of described as this breakdown or sometimes oxidation of your body. You touched on some things that are, I think are really important mm -hmm. in that little mm -hmm. sermon there. You touched on plastics and metals. Mm -hmm. So, so far we've discussed seed oils. We've discussed low quality, anything processed really that you can just find in nature. We've discussed higher, much, much higher quality meats and nutrient density differences. We've also discussed that it's okay to have like the fruits and the, the things as long as they're like real. Whole foods, yeah. Yeah. And in tandem with the meat. We also discussed maybe not even needing to use that much oil and adding that much fat when you're cooking because you're getting it now that you're incorporating these like healthier and hopefully nose to tail meats. So mm -hmm. you're not just consuming like the 95% lean, 5% mm -hmm. not, which maybe there's a whole tangent to mm -hmm. go on there. So the, yeah, so now we're left with the metals and plastics. Yes. How are we getting these things in our body? Well, everywhere. I like this stat. It's thrown around a lot that we eat a credit card's worth of plastic every month. No way. Yeah. A credit card's worth. Is it every year or every month? Maybe we, we got to fact check ourselves, but it's crazy to eat. Uh, I wrote, I read a great book called Estro Generation. Great guy, Dr. Anthony J. And he spells it all out of all of these things that are attacking our body and attacking our hormone systems. And our, our testosterone levels have dropped like 50% in the last I don't know how many years I need to get better at spitting out my little factoids, but it's dropped in half. Men have half the testosterone of our basically our grandparents. And a lot of the ideas are because of microplastics and endocrine disruptors and phthalates and PFAs and all this stuff. Right. And some people are catching on to it a little bit. That's like, Oh, BPA. Okay. Now a lot of things are BPA free, but that's not really good enough. A lot of these other forms, it's just, okay, let's change the molecule, you know, one molecule and now it's fine. No, it's not. So I think most people around town and a lot of people listening probably know to avoid plastics, especially when heated, avoid plastic water bottles, you know, you use glass, use ceramic, use, um, you know, good pans that are made of cast iron or stainless steel. So at least this word's getting out there, but it's hard because these, these microplastics and these things are, are everywhere. They're in they're in the cleaning products. They're in body care products. They're in makeup. They're in, uh, they're in your car. They're in your fabrics on your clothes. You're they're in everything. So it, it's, I like helping people go down the journey. It's not like you have to go and live by the stream and reject society and have a loincloth, right? But you can go down this path and like, okay, well, I'm going to buy a pure cotton shirt instead of a polyester shirt, or I'm going to not use a body care product that has just filled with weird fragrances and random, you know, sulfate. And I don't even remember the ingredients. You look on a shampoo bottle, there's like 15 things that you can't pronounce. Like why, why do we need all that? What I know people that just wash their hair with egg yolks. <laughs> that, yeah. I guess it makes sense. It's a little strange, but that's only cause we haven't heard of it before. Right? It works. And, and back to nose and tail products. What, what was the original soap? It was animal fat mixed with lye. And I, I read a little with bit lye? about lye. So lye is from charcoal, basically, is, is the, the original. The story I read on the internet is that we had animal fat and then we had some charcoal kind of runoff from the fire and then it, it mixed together and they like, whoa, it's soapy. And that's kind of the process. So yeah, on the, it says saponification. So saponified, well, saponified means using lye, which is a natural product, and then it turns it into soap. So this was our original skincare was just animal fat and some lye. And then our original skin cream was just animal fat that we smeared on our bodies. We didn't have anything else. Like, so this is what we did for millions of years for most of history. We just had what nature gave us. And 
the farther we go away from that, the worse it gets, right? It's like, what's the opposite of that? 15 ingredient shampoo with ingredients you can't pronounce. And people just, well, everyone else is using it. I'm like, well, yeah, everyone else has half the testosterone and everyone else is, has diabetes and pre-diabetes and is obese. Yeah. Something triggered in my brain there where I was like, I wonder what the best animal fat would be. Like if I were mm-hmm. like, you know, who would the, the king back in the ancient civilization, like what animal would he request <laughs> animal fat from to use as his own cream? Interesting. Maybe a bison, you know, like maybe just this big powerful animal. I feel like the bison is so a majestic. Lion. Oh, oh, lion. Lion fat. Lion fat. Silverback gorilla fat. <laughs> oh, man. That's something the king would do for sure. Yeah. I feel like, bring me one of each of these <laughs> yeah. and let me try them. A rhinoceros. Mm. Those are scary. It's powerful. Hippopotamus. Yeah. Second most deadly animal on the planet, right? Uh-huh. Next okay. to mosquitoes. They got a lot of fat on them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think hippos are like, yeah. there's a lot of fat. Yeah. They're, they're like sumo wrestlers of the animal world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So then now talk to me about... The other day we were at Sapien Center, which mm-hmm. is your place in East Austin, which is incredible. I'm doing my birthday party there. Yes. Uh, by the time they see us, it'll be November 5th. So it's going to mm-hmm. be awesome. You have some custom built weightlifting racks there. You've got uh, kettlebells, dumbbells, right? Some benches. Mm-hmm. And you've got a barrel sauna, two cold plunges, a fire pit, like five or six different mm-hmm. grills for all the different <laughs> types of meat and whole foods that you'd want to cook on those things, right? Talk to me about kind of your fitness philosophies because you have like an eight pack, just a permanent eight pack, which I get is mostly your food, but also like what uh, fitness wise are you thinking? I love it. I love it. Abs are made in the kitchen. I was just talking to my friend last night and he was like, I can't get abs. I'm like, abs are made in the kitchen, but I do have a workout philosophy. I'm, I'm an engineer by trade. I'm a mechanical engineer and I think very, I'm all about efficiency. So I developed a workout program also through talking to all these famous muscle protein scientists and researchers that really get into this. And, and I'm not like a huge guy, you know, I'm a more thin guy. So it's easier, easier for me to, to stay trim. But, uh, the idea is to do drop sets to failure. Have you ever heard of this method drop sets to failure? Basically how fast can I get to muscle fatigue or, or, you know, you want to break down your muscle fibers and to do that, you, what I do is I do dips with, and I'll put a 45 pound weight and I'll do as many dips as I can to failure. you right. You're just like creaking out the last like one. no warm up. You just go up and start with Pretty that. Pretty much. I mean, Sweet. yeah, I mean, I'll do a little shake around, but I just get up there, 45 pound, do as many as I can, drop it, grab a 25 pound dumbbell, put it in the, you know, the strap, do as many as I can immediately drop the 25 out, do it with no weight as many as I can. That took me 90 seconds and I fatigued my chest and tries. And then I, I'll switch to do that one squat. Same thing, put, put some weights or I, I hoist some dumbbells on my shoulders. Do squats to failure, get lighter dumbbells, squats to failure, drop those, get a lighter one, squats to failure. You can burn out and get a, a really good workout in a very quick, efficient time. And notice I'm going from upper body to lower body, then I'll go back to upper body, go back to lower body, do some core, do my shoulders, I'm done. I, I do two 25 minute workouts. That's it per week. Incredible. So less than an hour per week. So part of my philosophy is how are people going to stick to this? How are people, people don't have time. I get it. People don't have the motivation to spend hours in the gym. You don't need to spend hours in the gym. If you, you could, I mean, I'm not saying my workout's the best workout on the planet. There's many workouts you can do, but find something that you like and that you will do. And that is efficient and mm-hmm. fun. I'm like, cause I, I don't my, I don't let myself skip it. Right? It's like, hey, well, this is only 25 this, right? minutes. Like we talked about food and all the various benefits and it it's like uncountable, mm-hmm. right? It, it's basically like our human body is alive because of the food that we eat. So the quality of the food that we eat radically affects the quality of our life, right? And everything in our in our physical existence. So then exercise is a is a portion of that. When we look at like why we exercise as humans, it's that exercise helps us secrete BDNF and essentially it's like fatiguing muscles is a huge precursor to all of your feel-good hormones. So not necessarily the just the testosterone, the estrogen mm-hmm. that people think about, but also dopamine. So if you find that you're having a lot of trouble like feeling any sort of reward trigger, but you're not fatiguing your muscles on a regular basis you should probably think about fatiguing your muscles, right? In whatever way mm-hmm. it feels good to you, knowing that. 
as you do that process on a regular basis and you'll, you don't have to do it like food can take, you know, a couple weeks to a month to really notice some, some pretty dramatic differences. And then if you give it six months or a year doing everything that we've talked about on this episode, you'll have a radically different body, a radically different personality even, Mm -hmm. right? You'll just be more Mm -hmm. dynamic, I Mm -hmm. suppose, because it's not necessarily you'll just be calmer or you'll be happier. It's like the, there's a wider spectrum of your brain that's in function now and a wider spectrum of your organs that's in function. So it's just, just more of you is going to show up with that food stuff. And the same is true of doing exercise, not saying that you have to do a lot of it, but understanding that it's the precursor to dopamine, oxytocin, uh, norepinephrine, uh, I mean, all, all of the things that we really mm-hmm. want in our life to feel good. So while you're doing the food stuff, it's it's critical to do some of the movement stuff as well. But like you're saying, it doesn't have to be this hour a day thing in a gym. It could just literally be thinking about fatiguing muscles a couple times a week. Absolutely. Movement is so huge. Movement is just key to being human. It's just like a necessity. It's not like, oh, I should work out. It's just like your body expects for you to do something. And and yeah, again, you don't have to go to a gym. Our ancestors didn't have a gym, but they were active and they they just moved. And it's, it's kind of the opposite. It's like, well, how we need to expect to move. And if we don't move, this is like a crisis. Your body's like, what's going on? And I'm talking about even just going on walks. Some people just don't even go on walks, right? Anyone can go on a walk unless, you know, you're, you're handicapped, but still there's other things you can do. But this is just a requirement for being humans, a requirement for feeling good. That was a good spiel on all the, the brain benefits. There's so many other benefits. You, you want to maintain muscle as you age. That's very, very important. As you age, it's harder to hold on to muscle. You need more protein as you age because it's harder to digest protein and get all of it uh, to your muscles. It's just not as bioavailable as you age. And you need to, you need to hold on to this muscle because I actually have a great friend, Dr. Gabriel Lyon. She's a great researcher. And she calls it the organ of longevity. Muscle is the organ of longevity. And a lot of research is done on, on frailty and sarcopenia. Sarcopenia, basically lack of muscle. And how this is how people die. A lot of people die, they, they can't even support themselves. They, they have one little trip, break a hip, and they slowly decline. You know, it's just like a month later, they, you know, they get some pneumonia and they die. But it really was triggered by this fall or just not having enough muscle. Another big thing with muscle is glucose disposal. Too. It's like your body muscle soaks up glucose, you know, so it's not it's not bad to eat fruit or it's not bad to have carbs right in, in their whole food form. But a lot most people just eat way too much of them or way too many processed foods. But what's great about having muscle is your body can soak that up. The muscles can soak it up and you're much more basically metabolically flexible or just able to handle glucose in your body. And so, yeah, I mean, there's like 10 reasons why why you need to work think about working out and thinking about maintaining, you know, some sort of muscle mass or body composition. And you did allude to it earlier, which was interesting, uh, way back, I think like episode 11 of this show, mm-hmm. I had Jacques Henri Newell Taylor, who's a, um, a guy who essentially taught me functional neuroscience back mm-hmm. in the day or uh, applied neuroscience for the body. And he gave an example of a sea squirt, this tiny little thing that lives in the ocean. And when it's born, it swims around until it finds the perfect little spot on a coral reef to live on for the rest of its life. And as soon as it finds its spot and builds its little like home with mm-hmm. its own body, it eats its own brain. Mm. And it, and now it just has like a base nervous system, but no more like brain because it doesn't need to make any more decisions because it's no longer moving. Mm-hmm. And so you said about 15,000 years ago or 11,000 years ago mm-hmm. when we started doing like more agricultural practices and we like settled down, stopped being nomadic, stopped moving as much. That's when things started to to change for us, right? That is interesting. We yeah, be, if we were we were constantly moving, we were constantly looking for the the next animal source or the next plant source, and that required probably a lot of thinking and brain power. That's very interesting of of how we just settled down and then we became specialized and we became yeah, that that is interesting. Yeah. So I want to give people sort of a multiple choice of like if they're feeling mm. inspired to do movement, right? So we could say your workout, the mm. twice of 25 minutes and just do drop sets to failure or drop sets to the point where you're like, wow, that's really intense and I'm going to take a pause. And if you haven't been exercising, like it's just whenever you feel fatigue, you can just quit it there. Or whenever you, you, you can't do it with good form anymore. Yeah. When you feel like it's 
it's now yeah. becoming painful. Mm -hmm. You should stop. And then, yeah, you could rest a second. You could even do this with push-ups. You could just do, if you're just starting, okay, do 10 push-ups if you can, right? And then take a, take a 10 second break and then do six more push-ups, take a 10 second break and then do two push-ups. That's a good workout. And consistency is the key. And if you did that a couple times a week and you kept doing it, you're going to keep gaining and gaining and gaining. Yep. And then like squats, it's like push-ups and squats and maybe go for a walk. That's yeah, that's it. We're not talking about rocket science. We're not talking about anything crazy and, and sprinting too. So if you are in better shape, sprinting, is huge. I, I I'm really against jogging, just sort of steady state jogging. I think just sitting on a treadmill for 45 minutes is kind of not very useful. It's fine. I'm not saying don't do it, but if you get out there and sprint, that'll get you places. Absolutely. It triggers a totally different hormone response for you. It's also the thing that I always talk about with walking and jogging is it's really more about like if you do 10,000 steps, but you're on the phone and you're doing business meetings and you're a little bit stressed out while you do it versus you take a, a very intentional walk and do mm -hmm. 10,000 steps and you're thinking about it as it's like good for your body and you're consuming like an audiobook that you're learning something that's going to be a completely different result from the same effort. That is good. Yeah. It's stress relief. It goes from stressful to stress relief. And so jogging on a treadmill for 45 minutes while watching a TV ahead of you versus going out and doing 10 sprints or eight sprints, you have to be so present in your body to do a sprint. And so it kind of takes away a lot of the issues that you might have with a longer cardio session because mm -hmm. those 10 sprints might only be a 10 minute workout. You know, do a 15 second sprint, rest 45 seconds, do a mm -hmm. 15 second sprint, rest 45 seconds. It's, a, it's this, this is the Brian method, right? Well, it's now efficient you're, method. Yeah. It's efficiency. Oh, I'm obsessed with it. I've mm -hmm. done multiple podcasts talking to great people about this stuff and how, how many more benefits you can get and how, man, going on a treadmill for 45 minutes is excruciating. It's so boring. It, even if you're watching TV, no one likes to do it. Everyone's like, oh, I got, you, you force yourself to do it. Going out and sprinting for 15 minutes, man, that is fun. Mm -hmm. I have a game that I play uh -huh. with people that go sprinting with me mm -hmm. where I tell them I'm going to give them like a five second, depending on how fast they are, like a five second or a 10 second lead. Mm -hmm. And then it's done <laughs> when I tap them on the shoulder. Oh, right? I like that. So it's kind of like playing hunting, oh, you know, wow. and then yeah. they're like, oh God, oh God. Yeah. I actually, I put out a public challenge that anyone could beat me in a 150 meter sprint. I'd give them a hundred dollars to nose the tail. 150 meters. How, how many and on a track? It's like three blocks three blocks. Wow. Oh, yeah. So yeah, no, well, I, I just, I didn't measure it, but 150 meters. So 400 meters is the full track. Oh, okay. So most people know the hundred meter dash, right? So that's yeah. just a straightaway. Is that challenge still open? Can I, uh, yeah, can let's I go do for it. it. Oh man. <laughs> Maybe this will be the follow up to yes. this show. I, yes. I'm, I'm dead serious. Yeah. I would be, I'd be uh, so impressed. That'd be uh, awesome. So that actually leads me to a whole nother conversation of like barefoot shoes and also more paleolithic, all that stuff. We actually partnered with Origo shoes mm -hmm. and I think your Sapien Center GM guy is the one who introduced me mm. to the brand and turns out they're also Austin locals, which is great. But I'm a, I'm a big fan of like, I used to run on tracks completely barefoot, like no socks, no shoes. Oh yeah. Well, I grew up in Hawaii, completely barefoot. I oh. didn't, I didn't wear anything on my feet until seventh grade. They started making me wear flip-flops. So, I mean, I still wear just flip-flops today, you know, like I'm, I'm just a Hawaii guy, but you know what I actually want to do is make sandals out of the, my cow hides. I, I'm still trying to figure out how to do it. If anyone's listening, who wants to help me because it's really hard to tan a hide that actually most hides go to China. And Did you talk to Arigo about this? No, maybe I have to. Let's make that connect because they currently use materials like that mm. and their, their supply chain is like just over the border in Mexico so. and they control the whole thing. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe we're going to get some nose to tail sandals soon. That would be cool. That's what I want. I want, yeah, like grounding sandals, like just really minimalist. I've been looking for that. Okay. I'll set that up. Yeah. Anyways, so we've covered exercise. We've covered a tremendous amount of nutrition. You're doing a lot of things. You've mm -hmm. got the Sapien Center. You've got nose to tail. You've got your documentary that you're building and you're interviewing people all mm -hmm. over the place for that, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of moving parts in your life. Right. I mean, opening a physical location is a, is a whole thing. And that's only been open for three, four weeks now. Yeah. What's your whole driving purpose behind this? Like, why didn't you just move back to Hawaii and have like a chill life? Why, <laughs> why are you doing this? Oh man, just sit on the beach and surf. People, people wonder that. Now, I, I guess I've been building community since 
I don't know, high school. Like I was, I just remember I was always, I was just always fascinated with like bringing people together. And I, I liked being a hub of people. People would text me every Friday. It was like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, well, this person's doing that. This person's doing that. For some reason, I, I never thought I was a social person, but I guess I was. I feel like antisocial and weird sometimes, but maybe everyone feels like that sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, I, I've been building this community online and I've been doing my nose to tail business online. And online can only do so much, right? Like I really just want to get offline. I want to be in real person, in real life with these people. I want to build community. I want to help people, you know, figure out about this diet and lifestyle stuff. And yeah, I, that's just all I'm about. I mean, when I went down this journey, you know, nine years ago, and then I, I kind of quit everything five and a half years ago, six years ago, it's, I, I feel like I haven't had to work, even though I've been working way more and it, it never ends, but it, you know, it's a cliche of like, if you love what you do, you, you, you never work a day in your life. And yeah, I, I basically, it's like another cliche. I just found my calling, you know, for some reason, I'm just fascinated by this diet and lifestyle stuff and just spreading the word about people how to change and how to not go down the path of my parents and not go down the path of everyone else out there. And I think it's, I think it's because it's so simple. It's again, this engineering mindset. It's like, I found the life hacks. I just want to tell people, I'm like, you don't have to, like I said, you don't have to do an hour in the gym every day and be, you know, have to be like lifting bro guy. You don't have to have this insane restrictive diet where you're, you're using all your willpower to try to choke down a salad with no dressing or, you know, some low fat, this, or, you know, rice cakes or something. It's enjoyable. It's amazing. I, all these things that we've been talking about are better than my old life. I don't feel restricted and I want to tell people about it. You know what I mean? It's like, this, I don't know. I think that is my bait. Like the real core thing is, well, okay. If you, if you had a great book, you love to share that book with someone, right? That's, that's basically what's happening. Like I found this great thing about how to live and I just want to let people know, but guys, we could do this. You don't have to be diabetic. You can reverse it. That's yeah, that's it. What are the biggest maybe things that people are dealing with right now that looking into this and, and getting more serious about this would really help them? So like diabetic or pre-diabetic, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned Alzheimer's with your parents. So that that could be a, a journey someone could go on. What are some of the other big ones? Like if they've been diagnosed or think they might be? Yeah, well, if you, most people are, most people have some sort of problem and most, well, most doctors aren't gonna diagnose it. So the hard part is finding someone that knows this stuff. I Anyone listening, number one thing is find someone, it could be a medical doctor who gets it and there are some out there or it could be some sort of other health practitioner. It could be a health coach. There's so many other people. What would be the the resources if they're watching, listening right now that they could go to? Uh, what would be like the first book maybe they should pick up? I'm still with Primal Blueprint, Mark Sisson. I think that's a huge starting point. There's a website called dietdoctor.com and I think they have a pretty good resource of doctors all over the country and even the world that of people who kind of get it. They're kind of against the mainstream. And yeah, I. I'd say, yeah, just my, pod, my podcast, Be Human. Uh, basically, if you are carrying excess fat around your belly, it's, it's called, you know, like, uh, what is it? Visceral term? abdominal well, vis fat. Yeah, visceral fat, but um, I don't know. Th there was another term of abdominal um, adiposity, yeah. basically. Uh, visceral fat especially, which is a whole other topic of this visceral fat that's in and around your organs, and you can't see it, and it's the one of the worst things in the world for you. And that's kind of a problem because you can't see it. So you, basically you have to assume you have this visceral fat, but if you have any kind of sort of beer belly or you're carrying excess fat, I look back at my old photos and you know, my face is big, my neck is big, you know, like I looked normal per se. I didn't have, you know, I wasn't obese, but this, this it's basically a sign of inflammation and a sign of visceral fat is having this. And basically if you have any of this, you need to go, well, I mean, you don't have to go. You can, you can look at some of these resources, you know, read some books, but cut out these processed foods. Know that know the real enemy. Know the enemy isn't red meat and fat and cholesterol and whatever the mainstream is telling you. The real enemy is these highly processed foods, the seed oils, added sugars, refined grains. If you start cutting those out of your diet, you will see amazing changes. You'll see these blood markers go down. 
you could find a good doctor that will help measure the actual blood markers. And, you know, that's another discussion too of like, you know, what should you actually check? But the, the, the simple solution is if you cut out these highly refined ingredients, you will see massive results. Beautiful. When uh, people fall in love with you uh, and they want to learn more, uh, where should they go to digitally stalk you? Obviously, the Peak Human podcast. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Where else? Food Lies. Just search for Food Lies. I'm there. So Instagram, Food Lies. Just it's foodlies.org. So foodlies.org is the website. Any social media, just search for Food Lies and I should be the first one that pops up. And yeah. Amazing. Wow. Thanks for coming on. All right. And, Thank uh, you. We'll be hearing a lot more about all of this soon. Um, Brian, Sapien Center, Nose to Tail, Food Lies, all of that is the first official sponsor for the Wonder Soul Festival. So we're super excited. You'll see lots of Brian popping up on our feeds and stuff in the near future, maybe today even. The epic. It.